Welcome to Beltalota, the officially unofficial podcast for the expanse on sci-fi. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season three, episode two, titled IFF. You know what IFF stands for? Identify friend or foe. No, oh, see, I was waiting for the big reveal at the end where Naomi would come up to Holden and she would say, I fucked Fred. <laughs> if Breaking Bad taught me anything, I know my acronyms now. Yeah, that's and that would just really tear him apart. I, and you could almost see it with how insistent she was on going to Tycho last episode. Yeah, and not, and not to toot my own military jargon horn, but I knew that before from playing oh, from playing Wing Commander and Privateer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because when you got when you upgrade your radar, you get you could get like an illegal military radar that actually tell you whether something was a space pirate or like a cop, so you would actually blow them away. I assume that's like a real either naval, yeah, or, some, or everything. Some like kind of it's thing. like I think they got installed in tanks now, so like yeah, yeah. you know, it's like a code that hey, try not to shoot this person because they're on your team. Yeah, um, seems like there'd be all kinds of hijinks you could play with that. Like mm-hmm. spoof, it's kind of like uh, in the old wooden ship days, fa- flying false colors and trying to get away with it. But I'm sure yeah. it's encrypted, you know, and it's crazy real time encryption. And mm-hmm. you know, these you know people know. Like, we've been doing war for thousands and thousands of years. I, I think humans are pretty good at it. <laughs> we are. Seems like if if it expands as an indication, we're just going to keep refining that. Yeah, 200 years from now. Yeah, we're going to be real good. What did you think of the episode? Uh, with one minor exception, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was it, it managed to be very suspenseful and the the acceleration in the episode is palpable. Uh I however I I guess I never thought that anyone was going to die at this point. That that's fair. Like yeah. I I I am kind of worried about my man Kotiar cuz <laughs> I, I thought be, yeah. I thought that we would get like confirmation yay or nay. The only thing we got was like Bobby apologizing for him be being dead cuz she didn't pick him up on scans, but there is a little quibble there that the uh, you know Razorback as a racing ship doesn't exactly have the best scanners and she wasn't using them at mm-hmm. full power anyway. I yeah. thought I might have seen the dropship flashing its transponder in some of the the background shots, but Okay. I don't know, and the UN ship didn't seem like it stopped to blow it away, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm afraid for my man Kotiar. Yeah, you should be. They definitely want us to assume that he's dead. Right. The the show is trying to get right. you to think that, which which immediately makes me think the opposite. Like, oh, he's not dead, and they're going to bring him back later. It's the but... same. Like it's it's, and I don't know um, how they'll continue because you know Game of Thrones has the same deal where like eventually the story kind of gels into a form that you can kind of see that some characters are important and yeah. But, like when Amos is doing that wild acrobatic hand walk high G thing <laughs> to save Prax, I'm like, maybe Prax could die, but like probably like like Prax is my number one suspect for death, but mm-hmm. I think he's going to make it through most of the season just because there's this whole thing with the proto-children yeah. that, that that he's the emotional fulcrum for. But, like, yeah, they're not going to kill Amos. If they fucking kill Amos... It's like, this is a Daryl Dixon situation on The Walking Dead. They kill Amos and I'll riot. <laughs> it might just be a one-man riot, but... Yeah, I... I wouldn't want to be a table in the Cincinnati area, that's for sure, because <laughs> you get your fucking ass flipped. The only person I think is truly invincible right now is Holden. I, I, I honestly cannot see them killing what I view as the main character of the show. Right. Like, the the main protagonist. I feel like Naomi's vulnerable. Like, I worry about Avasarala, because once, mm-hmm. once she delivers her knowledge payload, I think she's an expendable character. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I kind of worry about Alex sometimes, but, like, they have to have a pilot, and he's the only one, so... Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what about Bobby? She was not not the greatest pilot, but she's a pilot. She, yeah. She's on the ship now. Yeah, she's she has piloted a ship for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to assess her plot armor. Yeah, I mean, literally, she has a Goliath Mark IV power suit, so <laughs> that's strong. that's pretty strong. It seems impervious to <laughs> to most small arms fire. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I I thought, despite me being firmly convinced no one would die in this episode, it was still a very and not a lot happens. Essentially, mm-hmm. this is the story of, uh, you know, Bobby and Christian joining the crew of the Rossinati, which. Yeah called last episode it's it's exciting it's, I it's say. exciting yeah. and i was like when when you know bobby was like oh i just have this short waves tr- suit transmitter and it's encoded to martian frequencies uh-huh. i'm like guess who the fuck <laughs> else is encoded with martian frequencies so i was like yeah i started i really love that yeah i started getting really excited so like that happened and then we got introduced this anna character yeah anna volvadov uh yeah or volvadov i don't know how they're saying mm-hmm, it in the show mm-hmm. it, Valavada. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah, I, they're saying they're saying Avrasar- really weird too in I my think, mind because I've listened to the audiobooks, right? And there's definitely a way that I am used to hearing it's it pronounced. Avrasarala, it seems. Avrasarala like. is how they're saying it in the show. Yeah, and oh, really? How are you hearing it in the books? Avrasarala. Huh. Maybe everyone's just got Aaron disease, or they just can't pronounce anything correctly in the in the 24th century. I butchered it, but the emphasis is different, and the same with uh, Volvadov. It's it's huh. different from what I've heard, but. That's one of the cool things about the show is that everyone's last name is this mix, mishmash of cultures and and regions, and no one looks like, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't can't judge a person's last name by the color of the skin or what nation they came from because Earth has become just a giant melting pot, it seems. Yeah, she definitely has, like, an Eastern European name. Mm -hmm. Um, Seemed Russian to me. Sounded very... I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Ukrainian versus Russian versus Czech. I I don't really know. Right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about before we get to the... I mean, what do you think of, of her introduction as a character so far? Do you have feelings about this character? I mean, it's interesting because they're dropping me into an emotionally charged situation between two characters I don't... Like, I... Yeah. The, the the Secretary General is just... He's just... A fi- I mean, he's literally a figurehead. Yep. Like, he is, like, the most powerful man on Earth. And they have told me that. I don't know anything really about him. Other than he seems like he's trying to do the, the to to do the right thing, and he's got this fraught relationship with this other woman who I literally have just met, and she seems like she's a do-gooder, but she's also got some pretty flexible moral frameworks. If she's a she's helped a man that she uh, is disagreed with uh, a, chi- a rise to power, and is now willingly helping for what seemed like a very small. Mm-hmm. 30 pieces of silver kind of price tag like one yeah. like you got the most powerful man on earth and the only thing you can sweat him for is <laughs> one year, year clinic of... and he's like done that's a fair <laughs> wait 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 how about five no no one year since like come on anna yeah you could have got more yeah get, sure. get get funding for life <laughs> you know he wants you to help win the first interstellar or inter intrastellar civil war like yeah make make that happen but yeah. uh, I, I think I like she's appealing. I rec- she's um, Julia Juliet from, Juliet yep. from Lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember from the like couple episodes we watched for a commission podcast a while back. Yeah, she's looking exactly the same as she did ten years ago, which is crazy to me. But Hollywood okay. man's a hell of a drug. <laughs> sure it's, probably, it's probably a, a, a cocktail of drugs and plastic surgery and yeah. sleeping in oxygen tins. I don't know. I don't know, but it's 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 creepy. I think that, that Elizabeth Mitchell is actually a really good choice for Anna um, from what I know of the character. Mm. Uh, 
she obviously in this episode you get that flavor of she does not give a shit what you think about how she speaks to you right um which is important for her character i think right uh, and it's kind of what defines her in a lot of ways and i think elizabeth mitchell is going to be able to bring like both the the caring side of anna out and also that no nonsense side of anna mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'm excited for this character uh should we get to the episode now yeah let's do it uh i've been told that we have to keep house uh so yeah. let's 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 do some housekeeping uh if you didn't know we are st- we are we're getting started getting wound up on two awesome science fiction coverages uh the expanse the one you listen to right now in hbo's westworld which we were a huge fan of on season one in fact it swept the baldies the, the yeah, this fabulous and prestigious uh baldies annual awards uh cleaned up on actor clean up on i think best show just mm-hmm. just just destroyed the competition we're very glad to have it back it missed we, we missed it the year it was off uh and it comes back this weekend we've already got the preview podcast out for your enjoyment uh we will be on sunday night having an instant take or an instant talk rather uh podcast and we'll have regular podcasts on that for tuesdays if you like hard science fiction i think you'll like westworld uh also we are going to be appearing at con of thrones uh, you can get tickets at con of thrones.net this is in dallas texas may 25th through 27th in 2018 i don't know why i threw the year in uh, for you 23rd century listeners, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, but we're going to be doing lots of panels. Um, we're uh, we're going to be doing um, lots of fun stuff. We're going to just be hanging out and meeting people. If you want to uh, come over and say hi, uh, check it out, conathrones.net, if you want to get on those tickets and check out the latest schedule and some of the cool guests that are going to be appearing. Finally, uh, we're still doing Twitch TV slash Bald Move on Monday and uh, Wednesday afternoon starting at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, this week, I think we're playing this game called Spy Party, mm-hmm. where one of us tries to pull some spy shit off, and the other one tries to murder us or murder them. Uh, it's pretty. It, it's a, a pulse pounding. Would you say? Hey, oh yeah, definitely. Like it, it was a it was a meme. You flinching every time the the sniper rifle went off. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's scary shit, man. Uh, it's surprising. Yeah, but if you if you like to see Jim and I just kind of hang out and play video games, you can do that uh, at least twice a week on Twitch.tv/baldmove. So we start off with like kind of this uh, fever dream psychedelic thing that turns out to be May's cryo nightmare mm-hmm. that she's having as she's coming out of this cryo sleep. Uh, she sees her dad in idyllic you know situations like in the nursery on Ganymede. Uh, she sees the uh, butterfly coming out of his chrysalis that the Doctor Strickland introduced her to last uh, episode. And there's a really cool effect as he's opening that cryo coffin where it looks like it's a proto being, and then mm-hmm. the lid sweeps up and it's Doctor Strickland. He puts on a class, uh, like a, a a master class of how to manipulate and groom Oof. children. It's real gross. Like he could be Ugh. wanting to marry her at the end of this episode. He could be <laughs> wanting to shoot her full of proto molecules. She he could be doing it, but it, it's it's really really gross and icky. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we see that uh, Mao himself is arriving on IO to supervise this uh, this this research and. Early indications that he's not as hot on a proto molecule as one would have thought. Yeah, yeah, he, he wants to shut it all down this episode. Yeah, that's that's a shade to his character that I honestly did not see coming. Mm-hmm. That he's like even hit, like like unleashing this upon a planet, even one as barren and desolate as Mars is is is, is troubling to him. Which you know I appreciate. I love the shades of gray in the show. Yeah, uh, we also see Bobby and Christian with a literal fl- a flight for their life. 
Uh, they're trying to drift through this debris field to avoid this UN patrol. Uh, Bobby explains that they're 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 within the hammerlock range, which is, I guess, the range in which the ship could not out accelerate a torpedo before it hit it. Um, and they just have to sit tight and wait, which I'm not sure what the physics are on that. I like I trust them enough to to say, hey, they probably know this stuff better than I do. Maybe that by the time she detects the launch, that she yeah. couldn't ex- she couldn't get the engine fired up fast enough for before the torpedo. That was my assumption. Smaller. Yeah, yeah. Or, there's or a turn in the right amount of time. Yeah, right. There's a lot of stuff that the show just assumes you are going to go along with, and I'm like, you probably. I assume you've done the math. Yeah, it seems reasonable. So I do go along with it. Right. Um. And there's a lot of funny stuff in here, uh, and a lot of not so funny stuff. <laughs> I think like Sarla talking about hitting on her with the clinching of the thighs. Right, right. That's really good. Right. Uh, I liked her reaction to I, uh, Christian's reaction to possibly losing Kotiar, where mm-hmm. you know Bobby tries to express sympathies and she just shuts that down pretty hard. Yeah, uh, and then also the the palpable frustration that Avasarala f- uh, feels when she's told to just sit tight and wait. Mm-hmm. Like that's the last thing she wants to do. She's got to get this. She got she got red hot information. She's got to get out to save the the ga- the well. Keep on say universe, and then I'm like no no ga- <laughs> no, it's not the solar system. Yeah. Uh, and the, Bobby's response: Are you a good pilot? No, I'm a re- marine. Pilots take me to places to kill things. Yep. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good. Um, and then the the UN ship, which I don't think they identify, spots them with a scan, and now she has to accelerate. And mm-hmm. the the rest of the episode is a is a balance between this very fast and powerful ship, how fast it can go, versus how fast the the aged, this, the aged, the old, the old ass, the old and wrinkly Avasarala <laughs> can can take it before having a stroke or a heart attack or both. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. No, there, there's a lot of tension in that. And I think I, I was questioning last episode, oh, maybe they should have done some digital effects. I still think they should have done some digital effects mm-hmm. to to sort of mash the skin down because it's really hard to convey the idea of gravity pressing down on you at harder than normal yeah. standards. And, and I wish they just would have done something. But, man, they really beat up Avra Sarla this They episode. really do. I thought they, they – I thought they sold it better. Like the, it seemed like the actors were more like in yeah. sync about pushing themselves back into the seat. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still like I have some notes for the director and maybe then some of the actors themselves. Like Frankie Adams, I love you. <laughs> I think you're an awesome Bobby Draper. Mm-hmm. You're a much better Bobby Draper than Mad Men's Bobby Draper. Let's put it that yeah, way. Hell let's, yes. let's hope she, you don't get recast three times too. <laughs> um, but when she's explaining about how her ship, her her suit's got the short band, uh, or I'm sorry, wide band, low power martian encrypted set and she goes to like bring her wrist up to use it she just casually brings it up right right and i'm like the directors have to get on the same page that if you're doing a burn that's killing an old person that like even a muscled <laughs> marine that can do this stuff on her head should look like she's exerted it, 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 it'd it be a small mo- it, it's a modicum of effort it's mm-hmm. just something they need to do to get consistent i think I think their zero G acting is just more consistent in the two episodes so far than it's been in the previous two seasons. But they just, you know, this is again feedback coming from a place of love. And I, I let them lampshade this a little bit yeah. by by Bobby saying, "Hey, I'm trained for this. Right, I could do four more G's standing on my head. Sure. Uh, so maybe she can move her arms a little more freely. But like, you're right. Like it, Arnold Schwarzenegger could probably curl 200 pounds with his bicep." In fairly easily yeah. <laughs> but but he'd still look like he's visibly exerting himself it wouldn't right. be just like let me check my watch you know yeah um but yeah that was the, the their whole thing is 
you know, to gamble this transmission because it's going to obviously identify them. But, you know, as Avasarala points out, you got you, you got the difference between certain death and mer- perhaps spending time in a Martian jail. Always bet on life and finding a way rather than the, the certainty of death. Um, back on board the Rasanat. Uh, I, I did some research and I found out that, you know, the ride, the Gravitron. Yes. That it's at like every sure. carnival and state fair. Love the Gravitron. That ever existed. Uh, that apparently is about three G's. Okay. When, when you're in that thing. So, mm-hmm. so how, how many G's did they say they're doing? They're pulling here? Because I, I know they back off to one. Right. I think six G's is considered a pretty hard. Like, I. I they were doing six G? I think, I think so. Okay. I don't know why I say that. But they, they mentioned six G that, that the Razorback. Can go six G. Uh-huh. So, I, I think so. I want to say that the Razorback is like super, super fast. Yeah, compared to most ships. Right. So I don't think Bobby was training on racing ships. Mm-hmm. So if she can do four more G in her training, they're probably at like two. Well, the other thing is like there's G like sustained G's versus peak. Like you know, yeah. pilots in modern fighters can pull nine to ten G's without blacking out with like their compression suits and all that. Right. So. Like that's certainly not the limits of human endurance. It's just maybe the limits of the they're, engine. They're probably going about as fast as a gravitron as when we're talking G forces. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know the gravitron, it's a, it's essentially a it's essentially a centrifuge. It's a centrifuge that they put humans in. Yeah, yeah. That they they have people who <laughs> to probably separate your blood from your body, <laughs> and, and people who probably didn't graduate high school and may not have all their toes, <laughs> fingers, and teeth are operating the ride. And everybody's shouting faster, faster. And, and, they, and just two days ago, they unloaded this thing from a semi truck, and you hope <laughs> right. they got all the bolts and rights position. But yeah, that's what we do in America. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So back on board the Rossinati, we've got a moment of peace because they're just going to bop to Io and you know check on check on May. Uh, and Prax has disassembled the Rossinati's kitchen to make these things called green panels that he's going to load with, with uh, plants. I don't know where they're getting these plants. I've often wondered. Why? I guess there was a plant room on this ship. Yeah, there is. There's just like that circular thing, and, yeah. and I'm not sure. Like I, I've, I've often wondered, like, why does this Martian warship have like all this greenery? And maybe it's like I thought, maybe it's for like ch- vitamin C, like cheap vitamin C or something. I, I, I don't know, or fresh greens or herbs, or it's just air quality. But I mean, it could just be yeah, air filtering. But how do you get like? Did they have a whole bunch of these in cold storage that you can just deploy throughout the ship? I don't know, but Prax is doing it. He's turning the he, he's turning the entire Rossinati into a grow room because they want to stretch their supplies and their oxygen and their. It's probably less because what I've heard, like or what I've gotten from reading, like the Martian and some of these other, is that oxygen's not a problem in space. It's more scrubbing the CO two. Right, like you can get poisoned by CO two a lot faster than you run out of oxygen. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they're wanting the the plants to help with is to remove the the scrub the air of, of uh, carbon dioxide. Yeah, and I didn't realize that this was going to be a problem on their trip. I didn't either. They never mention it, right? Right. It's a little bit of Battlestar Galactica where like you got one ship without. You know, last time they got resupplied was back uh, on Tycho Station, mm-hmm. which is over a season ago, uh, and now we're starting to see they're running. We know they're running low on fuel. They're running low on whatever they do to scrub CO2, and they're running low on bullets by the end of this episode. Yeah, it, there's a fine line in in a show between us, let, letting me assume a lot of stuff and, and letting me just um, kind of catch up to yeah. the show yeah. and not cluing me in on things that I want to be clued in on. And right. this show runs 
really close to that edge yeah. for me. There's some. Sh- I mean, I don't think there's it's... there's a moment later on where I'm like, what the hell? Okay. Um, but here I'm willing to go along with this air thing because that I don't think that's something the crew would talk about, right? The mm-hmm. crew wouldn't be like, oh, I don't know if we'll have enough air to get there, right? Because they kind of all know this in the right. back of their heads. They can do the math like like we just and they never they were careful to never say this. We're fucked. Like we don't even got we we can only get halfway yeah, there. Yeah. It's more like I want to increase our margin of error. Yes, which is smart. Yeah, for sure. Like you know because now you can do you can dick around with fighting a human warship for an episode and uh-huh. not have to worry about it. So <laughs> I like. I mean, it's a dangerous game because anytime they quantify stuff, um, like you know the audience pays attention, and now we're gonna. Watch Wonder, like if it's yeah. a full season before the Rasanati gets to rearm and repair, or I guess the Cortana or the Penis Collider. The Penis Collada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, what, uh, um, <laughs> I noticed Alex still calls it Rossi though. He so should. I, yeah. I think, it feels okay. fucking weird to see it credited as the Penis Cortada right. when when I, I know it as the Rossi, and you're showing me the Rossi flying across the screen. Right. It feels wrong. I wonder if the ship they're going to continue to call it, in, like the crew, it's going to be the Rossi. Because again, like we talked last, just because you rename a ship for purposes of fooling an enemy doesn't mean, you know, that's not how you think about it. Right. It's not like, like, like the real name yeah, of the ship. Yeah. So uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about is they're bringing up the air mm-hmm. here and how they need to, you know. Maybe get a little bit more of it, um, extend their supply a bit. It, th- this is definitely coming back. Yeah, this is going to be a problem for them. I think later this is going to be going to be one of the central tensions of the season: the fact that they are they are wanted everywhere, mm-hmm. but they are also desperately low on supplies. So right. it seems like they're inevitably going to go back to Tyco Station. I, I would think so. Like that plan makes a lot of sense from Naomi. It's just they have something else to do at the moment. Right. Uh, Naomi offers to make the drive more efficient without changing its new dirty I'm just a crappy freighter signal and Alex is skeptical because he thinks yeah. oh you're going you're trying to sabotage and make <laughs> us go to 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 Tycho station I love this uh it's a nice touch I remain skeptical I don't trust Naomi after last season I do too and I I actually think if this is a genuine moment here with mm-hmm. Naomi that it's too much of a flip-flop for me because they don't and it's foreshadow. They don't have an argument about it. Right. It's just everyone's decided, so I guess I'm along with it, and now I'm going to jump whole hog into helping. It feels weird uh, from a character perspective. So I think. But I mean, do you like the idea of Naomi actively working against the crew? I don't like it, but they've established her that's in her character. Because I don't think she would see it as working against a crew. I think she'd see it as. Keeping them from keeping making them, a bad decision. Keeping them safe. Like, keeping them all alive and safe. And if she can yeah. get them to Tycho Station, then she can wash God their damn hands it, but she them. just did this with the, the proto-molecule, Dude, right? I like, know. Making a you think she feels decision. she's wrong? That's the no, thing. No, no, no. I, I, agree, I agree with you. She probably wouldn't, but... God damn it, Naomi. She needs to be taught. She needs to learn this lesson. I don't know who's going to teach it to her and how she's going to learn it. But I... And I, again, this is... Uh, uh, since since you're on the same wavelength, I assume that this is consistent with the book plot. But like, I yeah, I just I just was very skeptical of her whole demeanor. Like she's just like, oh, suddenly Mrs. Mrs. Helpy Helperson, and mm-hmm. you know, oh, this is just to make things. Ah, I don't know. All I don't mild, know. mildly interesting. We'll see it. Uh, he gets the IFF uh, request or message from radio uh, from Bobby. We get a little bit of that message that she's transmitting that she's got a high 
level diplomatic targets, and she's with the Martian Marine Corps, the MMC. Uh, they use a lot of acronyms that they don't explain, so I'm going to try mm-hmm. to do that as we go along. And there's she's 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 uh, issuing an emergency request. Back on Earth, we see widespread protests over the new war within the solar system, and there are UN thugs uh, that are protecting the, I guess, UN headquarters, and they're roughing up yep. protesters. And Juliet from Lost. Uh, tries to intervene and gets a billy club right in her face. Twenty fourth century, twenty third century, we're still using billy clubs. They're, they don't have any fancy repulsive repulsor technology. I mean, what or... are you going to do? You're going to hit someone with a billy club and electrocute them? At Where's the, same the brown time? note? Where where can they just wave and just, just make everybody shit their pants? I do think like, they have better riot like that's crowd what I'm control like I, mechanisms. Yeah. Popular mechanics like once a year since 1970s have promised that there's all this crazy ultrasonic mm-hmm. shit that's going to just make protests. Uh, a thing of the past, yep. uh, and I'm still not seeing it. Yeah, maybe it's just maybe just like it's so effective that they banned the use because mm-hmm. you know protesting is a is a God given human <laughs> right. Could be. Uh, anyway, uh, she says that she's a quasi doctor uh, and assesses that this young man that has been dashed to the ground has a broken wrist and asserts her authority over these UN police officers and says this man's got a broken wrist you got to give him medical attention and I will I will diplomatically fuck up your shit but if, who are, if but you, who you, are you lady I know but like, she's... I know you're going into the UN building so you got to be kind of important right. but but who the, are you? So those those black clad beret guys, they have like a black on black UN insignia on their heads. I feel like they're like the Secret Service mm-hmm. because when they said, "Look, jackass, tell her your name," that cop stopped giving him any giving to her any shit. Yeah. So like she's being escorted by it's just who she's escorted by, right? Which begs the question. I, I thought this guy would get a lot more of an ass kicking just for assaulting her, like mm-hmm. you know. Imagine if the Secret Service was right. escorting some diplomatic person yeah. and a cop just billy clubbed them. <laughs> oh my God. Think, I'm not saying they get shot. You're going to get suspended at the very least. But you would get crab magad to the ground and yeah. bound six ways from Sunday and in a lot of hot water, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they didn't get to go. I, I saw in the crowd, there's all these different protest signs. There's some written in Chinese, or some written in English, mm-hmm. or some saying that the UN is untrustworthy. I like that. Good pun. There's yeah. also uh, a couple of conspicuous signs that say Timothy 4-1. Timothy 4-1. Did you look that up? I did. I didn't even see this. Okay. Nah, I, I've never heard of the Bible. I don't even know what that refers to. Uh, uh, the quote from Timothy 4-1 is, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Hmm. So it seems like they're saying that uh, the UN is a deceiving spirit. Uh, is Earn Right a demon? I don't know. I mean, I I, I thought that was an odd thing to put on a protest. But I'm wondering if we can keep that in mind, if that, that's going to mean something coming coming forward. Hmm. Okay. Uh, we find out that Juliet from Lost is actually the Reverend Dr. Anna Volavadov. Vol- <laughs> yeah. Volavadov. Uh, and she's an old friend of the Secretary General. Uh, and Earn Right doesn't like it. Earnwright does not like uh, someone in there that's 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 going to have any kind of uh, lease on the Secretary General's uh, headspace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out that she was escorted uh, to the UN by Marines. It's not clear whether 
she she's from Earth, right? They didn't like pull her off the asteroid belt or anything, did they? No, she's from Earth. Okay, I wasn't sure because uh, she said, you know, the Earth, the, the Marines landed at my church and drugged me off. Like mm-hmm. landed, but I guess if it's a they're not going to land on Mars. Uh, sure, they might land somewhere in the belt, but she didn't look like a belter. She doesn't she's talk not, like a belter. No. Okay. Uh, and she's been brought to the Secretary General to help him reassure the people. He's going to have to give this important speech to try to justify the war against Mars, and he wants Earth to know that God is on our side. She retorts, well, Abraham Lincoln worried about being on God's side, Mm -hmm. and he goes, well, there you go. You make me a better person. She prefers not to help, but again, trades. Let's be honest here. You make me look like a better person by the speeches you write. I'm not actually that better person that you're going to write me as, Right. but that's what I need in this moment. And like I said, in the the intro, I feel like she traded her morality pretty cheaply. For one year of 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 un- now they also use the word yeah. undocumented, which mm-hmm. with a global citizenry, I don't know what the fuck that means. Is that Belters yeah. or Martians that are tried that have tried to flee to Earth or and needing the drugs? I'm thinking maybe it's Belters. And we like- saw a bunch of people milling around the under streets of Earth that, that and and like that they're kind of in a quasi desperate situation. Like they're mm-hmm. fed and they're sheltered, but they don't have a lot of a lot of any hopes or upward mobility. Um yeah, I, I don't know exactly who they're talking about. Yeah, but they use a lot of these. And so, I, I, I again, like, when I see the fringes of the world, I'm like, ooh, I'd like to explore and find out more about it. But, uh, so, yeah, so she's going to agree to stay and help help his uh, staff write this speech in exchange for funding for the, her clinic for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex. She's, she's the important thing, I think, establishing here that she's willing to play the game. Yes. Even if she plays it badly and she only asks for a year of support when she could get much more, she's willing to play that game, even though she has this finely tuned bullshit sensor. Right. Um, Which I I think is like an interesting – it's kind of in the same way that Avrasarla is interesting. You know, she's got these these noble goals, but she's also willing to play the game to get those uh, accomplished. I think Avrasarla is much more nakedly amoral. Like – Sure. She, she yeah. has her goal of like protecting Earth, and she doesn't give a shit what it takes to do that. Absolutely. Whereas this person, I feel like uh, the Reverend Doctor Anna Volavadov, uh, has a moral compass mm-hmm. that she just ignores uh-huh. to achieve goals. And it's, what's odd about it is that it feels like this has all happened before. So I'm very curious to know. I actually, when I, I the first time I was watching this, I'm like, is this her da- his daughter? Because mm. I'm getting like I don't think that's true because they don't have the same last name. And, I don't think so. No. Uh, but there's there's are they, were they lovers? There's there's got to be some connection. And there's also like why is this very smart, articulate, principled person like she got in bed with someone and got burnt? Why is she getting back in bed? Yeah, and it has to have something to do with her initial writing of of the speech we see later on, right? Because otherwise, why bring that up? Right. And maybe she believed because like again. Uh, that's the thing about these wars is there's always a case to be made mm-hmm. that like, well, if we don't win and Mars takes over, then my God, what's that? You know, they'll steal our oceans and bring them over to my, like, I mean, you know, sure. or, or they'll just exterminate all life on Earth or they'll they'll do some kind of crazy shit. Uh, so, like, I can see a per- an Earth person, an Earther. Uh, what do they call it? Ter- a Terran? I don't. I think they just call them Earthers or or Inners. Earth, they, inners. They call them Inners. If well, that's you're what in the, the Belters, because yeah. the Belters, like if you're if you're w- I mean, living on a rock belters. with gravity, you're we're, a we're fucking Belters inner. on this right. on we're this, outer on this podcast. So right. 
the inners. Right. Uh, so the yeah. Uh, but I wonder what the, like the Earthlings call them. Are they called Earthling? That seems so archaic. <laughs> Earthers, so star control Earther, too. Earther sounds like something a Klingon would say as a slur. Yeah. Earthling sounds like something a Martian from a 1940s science fiction show would call us. Inners mm-hmm. is a, certainly a Belter slur. Yeah. Uh, Terrans, humans. They can't even because you know everyone's human. Like I, I like the, the the humans from Mars call themselves Martians now. Yeah. That seems appropriate. And yeah, I guess you would call them Terrans. Sure. Yeah. That's that feels very Wing Commander, yeah. but we'll see. Um, yeah. Uh, so Alex is fired up because he's like, "Oh boy, Martian flavored heroics! This is my time to shine because we've all yeah. shit on things because of our own prejudices. It's my turn. <laughs> it's my turn. It's my turn to 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 grab the ship's wheel and do whatever the fuck I want with it." Uh-huh. Uh, I love as he's coming in. He goes, "Captain, we got a situation and and." And Amos is in the background. Story of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says um, that this uh, Martian is being pursued by a rogue UN uh, uh, hostile. Um, Holden says, yeah, well, we still made a promise to uh, Prax, and Alex is not having any of it. He's cites his sworn oath. He essentially to... calls Holden a racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, right, right. Uh, you know, like, oh, we'll do whatever to, to, to do whatever you want to do, and Naomi can do this, but yeah, like some yeah. some southern fried Indian Martians life's on the line, and um, then, like, the whole crew gets excited because, like, Naomi's looking up the ship registration, and she finds us registered to Julie Mao, and Holden's like, nope, we're not doing this shit. Can you imagine if Miller was still on the ship? Oh my god, they would <laughs> they would already turned around. He would have just, from sheer force of will, turned it around. Yeah, and and pursued. Um, Prax says he's trying to stay neutral, and Holden's not having it. He's like, no, you're a part of the crew. Uh, and if I'm uh, I'm not going to tell this man that something's more important than finding his kid. Crucially, they leave it there for a good long while, and mm-hmm. we just assume what happens, and then they kind of explain after fact. Do you like that or no? Uh, yeah, that works for me. Yeah, I much I prefer just 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 keeping it action packed and keeping the pacing going, and just you know the important thing of debate is of the debate is uh, the result. Yes, and then how people feel about it, and they covered that. So it's like they they skipped the boring part that no one gives a shit about, and just covered the important stuff. I think it's kind of neat. And splitting it into two scenes um, gives it some room to breathe. I think like. Prax could have stood up in that moment when they're having the argument right. and said, no, I, I think we should go after this this message because I've basically given up on May at this point. Yeah. Um, but which... but he explains that in a quieter moment later to Amos, which I kind of like. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is a great scene for Stephen Strait, who plays Holden. Yeah. Uh, we, we give him a lot of shit about being Space Jon Snow. He's getting better. He is getting better. He's, he's rounding into this character really well. And this scene is really powerful. Right. In my, like, when he's look when he's shutting down alex mm-hmm. it's it's like a genuine emotional moment for right. that character and right. i think um I, I don't know this scene is was really really good to yeah. me and i'm kind of withholding on this this whole message thing like uh-huh. they're they're on a mission this is a distraction it is hilarious though that the whole series started with Holden doing this exact same thing. Yeah, and Alex like, points that out. Like, right? Yeah, and that's, that's again, I love a show that's aware of its own history. Like uh-huh. you got us into this mess by disobeying a your CEO's order to ignore this shit. So, but but when when Holden points out like 
look, we're on a mission, and this right. is a distraction to Alex. And he, he says, are you going to tell that guy that he right. can't find his daughter? Alex, is, Alex backs down, you know? He, 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 angry, he understands it. But he understands, yes, yeah. yes, he understands. Um, and, that you know, obviously that's different than the other CO wanting Holden to ignore it just out of expediency. Right. So, um, which is why Holden's a pretty good CO. Mm-hmm. Uh Back on Earth, we have a meeting with. Uh, oh no, no, no! We see uh, Earnwright sending a tight beam broadcast to Jules Mao on IO, and he's very angry that uh, he is not keeping his promise as far as cleaning up this Avasarala mess, and also he hasn't gotten uh, shipment of the proto molecule hybrid prototypes. Mm-hmm. Proto molecule hybrid proto. There's a lot of protos in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the proto beings and, and and Jules fires back. Well, yeah, my accounts are still frozen and my family's still jacked. So get back with me when that gets resolved, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> is there a lot more swearing in this year? Did they just decide like they, they yeah. they're looking on FX and they're looking at HBO and they're like, you know what, frack this fracking bullshit. We're just gonna Absolutely. go full mother fracker. I like it. It used to just be uh, Rosarla doing that right. in previous seasons. Now it's everybody. Right. Uh, and again, we res- re- we see a more reserved side of Jules, where he's having second thoughts about arming Earth, especially I think Earnwright mm-hmm. or Aaron Wright, uh, with these proto hybrids, because uh, mm-hmm. he fears they could lay waste to Mars. Um, you know, Doctor Strickland's trying to assuage him because he's just seems like he's an amoral fucker. Uh, and we hear in the background that there's a like a computer voice saying the hybrid eighty six is loaded, all pods ready for transfer. So. It seems like Jules is preparing to make this the, the the trade, the deal. He just is having cold feet about actually executing it because it certainly seems like all this stuff is being loaded and ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian continues to have trouble hanging with the G-forces she's experiencing. Hmm. Bobby tries to give her advice about squeezing her thighs and trying to whistle and doing all this other stuff. <laughs> uh, it cracks up uh, Christian because she laughs at the idea of a Martian Marine trying to save her life. And uh, Bobby says that we're on the same side, the right side, which is so naive it makes Christian instantly pass out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then alarms blare, and we find out that another ship has fired on them, and Christian starts to whistle, which I thought was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Bobby tries to avoid, but she apologizes that she's going to get him killed because she's between Hammer and Anvil here. And there's just a very cool scene of these torpedo hijinks where... Yeah. Like, because I figured that this was the Rossi coming to the rescue, but like I was genuinely confused when the torpedoes like flipped around uh-huh. and like did close escort position on the Razorback, and then the two others bl- like essentially be- turned into flak for the the intercept the other torpedoes. Yeah, to blow yeah. Them up. Uh, I didn't know the torpedoes could do that. Like, I suppose why not? Yeah, you know, it's something we have in the modern day. Right. I don't think you can like a, a torpedo can drive through a nuclear explosion. Uh, right. It does also they they foreshadow the fact that it like kind of like a electromagnetically pulse kind of shorts out the sensors mm-hmm. uh which will be important for later. Back on the Rasanati, we see the crew are like all strapped into their stations and they got their spacesuits on and they're excitedly talking about the uh uh plan. Uh Alex is given holding props for his he he said you must have aced your tactical warfare classes in OCS, officer candidate school, which is a another nod to the fact that if you've forgotten, James Holden used to be an officer in the United Nations Navy mm-hmm. before he punched his commanding officer over a uh a moral disagreement and got uh got uh dishonorably discharged. Yeah. Um 
So we then see uh, uh, we then we then see at in the is it the below decks? I'm gonna call it below decks. Uh, Prax and Amos are talking. Amos is saying, "I can't believe you voted to do this. You can't save everyone. It's a waste of time. The time to try." Mm-hmm. And Amos is very puzzled by his decision. You can see that he's troubled. Um, anything you want to mention on there? We move on. Yep. Nope. Uh, Anna calls her wife uh, back yeah. at the church. Yes. Uh, who is a uh, who is I a black so. who is a black woman? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a daughter together. Mm-hmm. Uh, she calls the Secretary General Esteban, which is the first time I've actually think I've heard his first name or, or his last name. I couldn't tell you what yeah, his last name is. He's <laughs> SG. Uh, and I know they've said it, but I don't know it. The way she referred to him as the first name, like like. It, it, it reveals a little bit more of the relationship. Like she's on first name basis to this guy referring to him in the third person to her wife. Mm-hmm. Like you know, if I had a, if I had some bad feeling about like you know President Barack Obama, I, I probably <laughs> would not refer to him as Barry. <laughs> sure, you know Barry brings out the worst in me. Every yeah. time he gets going, it's this or like if I if with I wouldn't call Trump Donnie. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it, so I, it, it kind of implies something about the relationship. And there's something so angry that this this pastor cannot forgive him. Uh, and his her wife says to help people with your words like you always do, um, trying to help her find, I guess, the middle path. Um, and she's also very excited to get funding for the clinic. And she has a very sweet scene where she hugs her daughter vicariously through this, this uh, transmission beam. And that's the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty efficient character uh, building. Uh, there's more torpedoes launch. Uh, there's a very ominous close-up of a poorly secured equipment hatch that <laughs> one Prax maybe in his uh, distracted state didn't properly secure. Yeah. Uh, the Rossi engages in combat for the first time I can remember is overmatched. Like, that was one of the things I had in the preview. Like, how how powerful is the Rossinati? Yeah. Uh, well, this UN ship is bigger, more heavily armed, and can outgun the Rossinati. It's, 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 uh, this is... I- I wonder if it's just the sheer number of torpedoes that they have. Like, if that's the defining difference here. It's much larger than Rossinati. Yeah, and I understand, like, if you're in a railgun battle or stuff, that makes it harder to hit exactly where you need right. to hit and stuff like that, so it makes you a little safer. But, like, if if torpedo versus torpedo can kind of counteract each other, then having more torpedoes would be a decisive advantage in yes. a battle. Yes, it would. Um, so maybe that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Just the the sheer number of the armament yeah because you can see like i, I kind of think it's cool like you can see all the torpedo pods and like how many of them this un ship has yeah. got um so holden to compensate plans a risky maneuver that we don't know what it is but it makes alex's oh. eyebrows shoot up it's and, so badass yeah it's super cool <laughs> one of the coolest things i've seen on this show yet um so anna then goes to meet the secretary general staff at dinner uh and one of the staffers who's a little bit starstruck i think about with anna shows an old speech that i guess began his meteoric rise to the top of earth politics yeah um where i thought it's kind of hackneyed it's in the wake of some massacre that we we i wonder if it's i wonder if it's the fred johnson deal where they put down a belter insurrection yeah yeah because that's it's the only massacre we know he's not old enough to be like the first like the Martian independence skirmishes, I don't right. think. Because that, that took place like 100 years ago yeah, or 80 I, years ago. I don't think he's that old. Um, but he's got like, you know, he's giving this speech and he gets his UN flag and he waves mm-hmm. it. And my eyes roll back in my head like I, <laughs> in any political speech I see. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
there's there's a couple of other things we get caught up on. Like there's a conversation we overhear where Aaron Wright's pre- uh, prepping the SG about how the battle's going and the the Secretary General's really sweating how many ships they've lost over Saturn. Mm-hmm. But Earnheit, Earn, Earn, Aaron Wright uh, assures him it's just a matter of time until he get things under control. Uh, at dinner, he provokes Anna by asking her what she thinks of the Arborgast, yeah. uh, which she correctly identifies as a way that an irre- irreligious person would make fun of a religious person. Oh, say, saying, is that a sign from God? Right, yeah. right. Uh, but she's right. Yeah, she's oh, right yeah. About that. He's, he's, definitely, um, he's definitely poking fun at her. And yeah. I, I think, I wonder what the breakdown for, like, how many of, how many of humans still profess religious beliefs? I don't know. Does any of the crew of the Rastanati have faith? I don't feel like they do. Not that I'm aware of. Uh-huh. Um, so it's interesting that they, like, because like, I think now irreligious people are the, are the decided minority mm-hmm. around the world. It'd be interesting in 300 years if that's flipped and, and, and what that would, you know, what would that do to the world's great religions um, if they continue to decline. Uh, but anyway, she says, I think it's a sign that are things much bigger than we are in the universe. And I'm like, yeah, totally agree. Like, you know, uh, cosmic, cosmic, pretty cosmic big. gamma ray ejections, man. Those things yeah. will, will, will fucking erase your civilization. You won't even see them coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's lots of things bigger than we are out there. Uh, she also has trouble with their policy of punishing Mao's family, uh, that he's confiscated the, their possessions and jailed them, apparently. And she reminds him the collective punishment is a war gr- crime. And the se- Secretary General just seems completely dismissive of this very ominous and obvious conflict between his two advisors. No, this guy... Okay, they're both... He's they're like, both oh, you'll get, you'll get used to her quoting war crimes and making a big deal yeah, how, out of that how stuff. fucking condescending. Like, she's always like this. You'll get used to it. Right. They're, they're, they're you'll both, tune her out. They're both shitting all over her, and I don't even yeah. know why she stays in this room, honestly. Like, okay, fuck you, Esteban. If you're going to treat me like this, if you're going to condescend to me this hard, I'm out. Yeah. Write your own damn speech. Yeah. Now, my question is... Uh, are they intending us to, to, to it's like cuz I always wonder like is that like maybe questionable writing or are we supposed to understand that she is just swallowing this shit hmm. or is he supposed to be portrayed as oblivious or cuz I'm making I, I mean I'm maybe making... it's a it's just a matter of course in their relationship right. like this is how Esteban treats me right and this is what I do to Esteban I call him on his shit right but, Maybe she's just used to it from him and not from Aaron Wright. So when Aaron Wright does it, she calls it out. When Esteban does it, she doesn't. But if you're not going, if you're a if you're a woman of God and you're not going to call out war crimes committed by your side, like the fuck, like I hope that's not just her, you know, tweaking Aaron Wright by the nose because that's a legitimate thing to point out. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm speaking more of like when. Esteban says she's always like this. You'll get used to it. Right. That's so fucking condescending. Oh, it sure is. And especially given the topic. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't like she's she's talking about something damn serious. Right. It wasn't like a religious debate between an atheist and a Methodist. Uh-huh. This was now her saying, and oh by the way, the actual secular laws that apply here. And he's like, ah, oh, she's always. I, yeah, I, he, he's not a good look for the Secretary General. No. Uh, Bobby and Christian are keeping their desperate chase going. Uh, Christian is now bleeding through her nose, showing that she's mm-hmm. sustaining, like, she's either... At 1G, 
no less. Right, and she's like, I think I'm getting used to it. And Bobby's like, No, I, dr- I dropped the burn to essentially Earth gravity. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's 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 in bad shape here. Uh, that's fine. They'll get her on Rossinati and, and shoot her full of some kind of carbon fiber bullshit, and she'll be fine right. next episode. Put her in a full body uh, <laughs> metastasis cast. I don't know. She'll come out with the body of a 16 year old. And <laughs> right. Ready. I, I think it's actually really cool that she doesn't start bleeding out of her nose until they go to one G. Right. Because like they oh, talk yeah. about how all the blood is pooling sure. at the back of you. Right. I didn't like, even thought about that, but yeah, it's, it's a really nice touch. Um, on the Rossinati. Uh, we were we're with Amos and Prax below decks when the hatch breaks free and all hell does as well because like the dozen or so very sharp and blunt <laughs> tools shit. floating around in zero g on a warship engage engaging uh-huh. in dangerous high g maneuvers is I is terrifying it is like yeah. I'm like there's no way Amos dies here right but it's like my god the whole scene. With Amos and Prax from here on out is just nerve wracking. It is. It's it's like it's like uh, that scene in Twister where the two protagonists go oh, to Christ. go to hide in the barn and it's just full uh-huh. of machetes and plows and all kinds. And they're like, ah, oh, <laughs> except for they can't get out of it. They're just stuck here. Yeah. Um, watching the Rossinati defend herself is as pleasurable as always. I can I can watch it fire its point defense cannons all day. Mm-hmm. I think it's so fucking cool. Uh, Prax's oxygen hose gets disconnected in the chaos, and he starts to asphyxiate. Uh, boy, this is this is a this is a lot of shit happening right now. Mm, yeah. uh, we take a break by going down to IO, and Jules reveals his opinion they should dismantle the protohybrids uh, because a protomolecule can't be controlled. And Doctor Strickland says, "Au contraire, I'm going to condense a few scenes so we don't keep skipping back and forth." Strickland explains that the children with this particular skeletal immunodeficiency syndrome that's endemic to, like, the belt or maybe Ganymede only the Ganymede. specifically, Okay. Because yeah. I thought skeletal, that implies low gravity, which maybe, mm-hmm. but maybe, so is there, what is, what's the deal? What's in the water Ganymede that these kids are having bone? No okay. idea. I don't know. Mildly interesting. Not even, I was going to say, not even going to give me the courtesy <laughs> of a mildly interesting, you asshole. I, I, gotta, I can't <laughs> constantly do mildly interesting. You got to practice it. You got to practice okay. it. Okay. Uh, he says uh, that this particular combination of genetics is showing that it can uh, retard, slow, or perhaps even control the growth of the protomolecule. Mm-hmm. Um, inhibit is, I believe, the inhibit. word he uses. Yeah, I used yeah. every word except for inhibit. <laughs> uh, back in the sick bay, May is uh, concerned and scared that she still hasn't seen her dad and the doctors are blowing her shit. And now even the creepy Dr. Strickland's not there to comfort her. But she finds an old friend, one of her classmates from Ganymede, who says, hey, it's just the us kids had to be evacuated while it's dangerous. And Dr. Strickland's got a full cure for us and says, want to see something cool? And he rolls up his sleeve and his fucking arms glow in day glow blue. Okay, that is cool, kid, but you got some problems. Right. And I, I, but I feel like that's what a kid would do. Like, if it's yeah. not obviously hurting me and I'm glowing now, this is the coolest fucking thing. For sure. Uh, so th- the inhibiting of the protomolecule is potentially really interesting and exciting. Right. And I'm wondering what the possibilities are here. Like, c- countermeasures, developing countermeasures to the protomolecule might enable Mao to both sell the protomolecule to the governments of the solar system. Mm-hmm. And also have an ace up his sleeve. Because mm-hmm. um, I can imagine like a scenario in which you know, he sells the ultimate weapon to them, but the ultimate weapon doesn't work on him and, mm-hmm. and his friends. I'm, I'm, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm very overreacting to this, this, this turn of his, his, his character, but I'm actually thinking that he 
is just scared to destroy the whole solar system. And what, because of what it seems like, because he still just had kind of little patience for, like, I think the doctor spiel until there's a point where the doctor says, this could be used to blah, 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 blah. And also, you know, halt or reverse what's happening on Venus. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's terrifying. The fact this protomolecule is just growing unchecked with no observation yeah. on Venus. Like, it could be, like, fucking Ego the Living Planet next season, <laughs> and then what do you do? Yeah. There's no Chris Pratt to save us th- from it. What? What? I'm just... That's Guardians of the Galaxy 2, man. Oh, is it a Guardians thing? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't recognize the planet name. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he also says, you know, some interesting stuff about, like... So he wants to shut it down, and then he realizes that there's an inhibitor possibly uh, in the works, and he says, do what you got to do, continue on. Um, he he does seem almost like he cares about what the protomolecule could do to the system. I'm with you on that. But there's there's still something, like, he's pursuing this in a way that I don't feel comfortable with. Sure. And it's not just the fact that he's testing this on kids. But he's willing to test this. He he has been willing to test this in large scale uh, experiments on entire moons, mm-hmm. right? On entire uh, asteroids, right? Wipe out massive colonies in order to test this, and thing. it almost I, destroyed Earth. It, it like, almost did. It, yeah, it had came, it not been for Miller psychically bonding with Julie, uh-huh. it would have been like Earth would be. And gone. maybe that shook him, and that's just like. Okay, this is not something to be fucked with. Yeah, you know the what's worse than your family being sitting in prison and your assets frozen, your home planet being obliterated. Yeah, and he talks <laughs> ask, about how as Princess Leia Organa, how that feels. <laughs> he he talks about how you know all Earth and Mars can do is fight and try and kill each other over this thing. Uh huh. So he seems like he has some larger goal with it, but we don't yet know what that is. Right on. Uh, Amos on board the Rasanati has to do these crazy maneuvers where. Like, as much of a badass I think Amos is, almost stretches my credibility that he can hold on the way he's huh. doing it. But I, I think he is pretty uh, pretty much a badass. Yeah. As he laboriously makes his way over to Prax as the ship is just spinning in all directions, reconnects his hose, and then one-handed catches a drill right before it smashes into Prax, and then deadpans, hang on to this, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> as he goes to strap himself back in. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the Rasanati begins its uh, the long-awaited maneuver. Uh, it detonates most of its remaining torpedoes in a, a star pattern to blind a rogue UN ship, then tears through the radiation cloud, and in a glorious slow-mo scene, uses its last few torpedoes to just fucking cut the legs off of the ship. It, it yeah. severs the engine pod and does no other damage to the ship. Uh, which ends its thread. It can no longer accelerate the front. That's mm-hmm. the other thing I thought was cool is the fact that in Earth, like, you know, if you're fleeing from the cops and you're in a sport dark and go 200 miles an hour, you can just go 200 miles an hour and just maintain that speed and leave the cops in the dust. In space where there's no wind resistance or nothing, it's all about acceleration. Right. You have to continually accelerate or you can't get like, oh, I'm a safe distance away. I can cut down the throttle. They'll just catch up to you. Yeah. So now that the ship's crippled, it can't, uh, catch uh, up to them and everyone's kind of jubilant on board until Holden says yep now we've got two torps left less than 10% of our uh, personal or um, our point defense rounds left mm-hmm. and we just declared war on earth <laughs> yeah which is probably the most important part of that yeah uh, I mean earth I feel like earth wanted them already but yeah now it's official yeah 
and I, I really so I love this maneuver. I think it's awesome. Um, not just from like oh oh hey that looked cool perspective, but like you really get a sense of Alex's piloting skills here because yeah. not only is he flipping this thing around, but he has to thread a fucking needle here, mm-hmm. right? Like this UN ship is behind this cloud that he can't see through. Right. If they can't see through it, he can't. Right. So he's got to, before that cloud goes up, figure out where they are, where they're going to be, fly just past them and hit them with these torpedoes. It's an amazing move. I love it. I'm often, because yeah, Alex is a great pilot, but surely a lot of this is computer. Like he's just essentially plotting and fine tuning the course. He doesn't, the human reflexes. Yeah. To dodge a ship through a radiation cloud at at the kind of separation we're talking about, like that's beyond him. Yeah, I mean he's pressing buttons on a, an iPad yeah. essentially, but yeah. but nobody does these maneuvers, right? These are out of the ordinary maneuvers. It does seem like, it. although I do this, this, I do have a question about like I don't see how any ship, and I think one of the things is like this is like we we talked about this is a little bit pre World War One, where no one really knew what would happen. Because we've got all of these, we got airplanes, and we've got tanks, and we've got fucking flamethrowers, and chemical warfare, and, and ironclad warships, and we haven't had a major mechanized war since the American Civil War. Right. Like, no one really knows. So some of this combat doctrine might be new, but it seems like if you're chasing a ship, and they can blow up something that completely cloaks them, like, that's... That's that's a I don't know how you defeat that. It's mm-hmm. like kind of like stealth technology until like like if one side's got it and the other doesn't, it's just an insurmountable advantage. It seems like the person being chased has no advantage or the person that's chasing has no advantages. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'd, it'd be interesting to see how the combat doctrine uh, develops throughout this the series. Uh, so we go back to the below decks. We see the plants. All of uh, all of uh, Prax's plant systems God. are wrecked. Now, I thought he promised. I thought he promised Holden that this wouldn't happen. <laughs> he absolutely did, and this is what I love. Uh huh. Prax is not built for space. No, Prax, well, and especially, especially space combat. combat yeah. Right. Prax twice in this episode keep something unsecured when it should most definitely be secure. Right. It just shows like he doesn't know what he needs to do here, right? He doesn't know to be super careful right. securing things. Or maybe they didn't finish. They didn't finish all the modifications that would keep that stuff safe. I don't know. But the- I don't know. Amos says we're ready to go, so I, yeah. I assume they did. Yeah. And Prax just fucked it up. Uh but the the plants are just wrecked. There's water mm-hmm. leaking everywhere. There's plants all over the floor. And Amos asks him candidly, are you trying to get yourself killed? Because I can't find an explanation of why a father would not want would want to abandon the quest to save his daughter to help some stranger, and Prax reveals that he's scared to find May in the condition of the child that they loaded and incinerated last season. Sure, and he just like can't like he feels like he's too late, and the 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 like. Last last episode, he says he's going to try to learn live with that uncertainty because it's better than. You know, and 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 now he doesn't want to lose that uncertainty. He doesn't want that you know Heisenberg uh, um, uh, uncertainty to collapse into a dead May. Mm-hmm. And Amos calls him on his shit. He goes, "Look, every kid needs someone in their corner who never gives up on them. And if she doesn't have that, what does she have left? And what do you have left?" And mm-hmm. I thought it was also interesting when Prax says, "Did you have that?" And he goes, "This is not about me." Uh, 
We don't know a lot about Amos's past. We know that he we'll, like grew up in a, a brothel right. or around them, right. um, which says he probably didn't have the best of. And he's got a kind of a broken moral compass. And like I, I think it'd be funny. He's like, "Yo, you want your? Yeah, hey, buddy, you want your daughter to turn out like me? Right? Stick around. I'm pretty horrifying." <laughs> uh, um, but uh, I thought that was a great scene. It's something that Prax needed to hear. Uh, the Rossi then docks with the razor bag. Uh, the razor, <laughs> razor bag. <laughs> he uses a razor bag to dock with the razor bag. Uh, There's that funny little transparent um, airlock they got. And we see Ava Sorala's POV as she's ferried across by Bobby. Some um, really cool shots. It is cool because they like they like use the camera focus to peel through the different layers of the uh, airlock. And mm-hmm. you can see that like essentially they're walking on deep space. Yeah. It's super yeah. cool. Uh, and just like the reflection in in the transparent mm-hmm. uh, portions of it, you can see Christian, yeah, uh, kind of almost looking like she's floating down yeah. this hall, yeah, like she's kind of dying here, right? Uh, I, I think it's a beautifully shot scene. I do, and the the zero G work was pretty good because you mm-hmm. know Christian is just kind of floating there, and Bobby is like one handed like yeah. hustling her through, and she asked the stun crew, the Ross Knighty, to help her. Uh and everyone like so. Help me out here because I didn't watch all of the seasons before I I, I came into this one, um, and I certainly haven't read the books. My recollection is that Christian knows a lot about Holden because when she found out that he was this rogue guy with the Martian cruiser and he was like this kind of inspirational revolutionary figure, she went back to visit her his mother, one of his eight moms, and kind of got the lowdown on him. But I don't know that Holden knows anything about Christian. Is she famous? Like, what? what is the shocked looks on their faces? They knew that they were going to see a Martian Marine at, at the minimum and a diplomatic person. Like, did they recognize her or is this just mildly interesting? Am I using that right? No, I, I I'm I have to assume that, like, let's let's go back to the, the Barack Obama comparison. Right. If if a Marine walked through the door of our studio with Barack Obama in their arms but she's not barack obama she's... no but like let, let's say uh i don't know Orrin Joe, hatch let's, or, let's yeah, go with him okay. uh he walks walks through the door with Orrin hatch in his arms mm-hmm. or her, her arms whoever you would recognize that person yeah, yeah? i'm trying to think of because i was trying like to high think, level yeah, politicians yeah, yeah. you would recognize the, the thing that throws me is that i guess she i thought that she was always like the shadow government that like you know she would be more of like an uh, like she'd be more of like the deputy press secretary. Gotcha. So you wouldn't maybe immediately recognize her, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because if she's like a like a speaker of the house analogy, like like you know essentially sure. third third in yeah. command of the government, then like yeah, I'd absolutely recognize fucking you know Paul Ryan's unconscious ass floating through a, <laughs> right. a, a airlock. But I'm, I'm honestly not sure what public face she has. Hmm. Uh, the show certainly hasn't shown us much of it, if any. Uh, but yeah, I, again, the Rasanati's uh, medical center seems nigh miraculous. I have no yeah. doubt that she will pull through. I mean, they can save completely irradiated yeah. people from death. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they can heal uh, crushed muscle mass and mm-hmm. broken limbs and gunshot wounds and everything else. I think she'll be fine. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand. Uh, I think that if like, she stays with the Ross and I, she's going to have a lot of high G burns and, and accelerations to deal with in the future. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I feel like Avasarala is going to be expendable very soon. Hmm. Um, and I, cause I, you know, unlike you, I've, I've pretty much loved her character from the start. 
she's my favorite of the non Rasanati crew for sure. Mm, uh, yeah. So not rooting for it, but I kind of feel like maybe this is her going to be her swan song season. Mildly interesting. Uh, and that's it. Uh, if you are new to our uh, Bald Moves coverage, and you might be since this is a brand new podcast for us, uh, we are independent podcasters out of the Midwest. We live in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we are almost entirely supported by listeners. Uh, the reason we're able to do so many different podcasts, we do, I don't know, 20, 30 shows in a, in a given year, plus 20, 30 first-run movies, plus that many commission podcasts, plus the game stuff. It's all financed by uh, passionate fans that uh, want to support independent podcasting. You can do that at club.baldmove.com. And it's not just independent podcasting altruism. Oh, no. You get bonus content. You get DLC. Uh, We've got uh, one-off comedy shows like Quip, uh, uh, Quit Your Pitching. We've got uh, video game playthroughs. We're right now playing Life is Strange. Uh, the prequel behind the st- the scene or behind the storms right? behind the storm before before the storm, storm. yeah behind before All after up in that storm yeah it's it's what it's what wherever you want that storm to be it'll be there for you uh, we're playing through that we also have video versions of most of our podcasts uh, the lunch with Jim and Aaron uh, weekly uh, listener participation extravaganza. First run bald movies, so many cool features. You can preview them all for free at club.baldmove.com. You can sign up for a free 30-day trial at club.baldmove.com. The important thing is you go to club.baldmove.com and just check it out. Give it a shot. We, because we uh, got a screener for this show, we actually recorded this in advance, and uh, we, we're we dropping this at the same time the show airs. Uh, so it makes sense. We do not have feedback. Um, now, what is our plan going forward here, Jim, with feedback? It's tough to say because I feel like uh, doing the possibility to do like a dedicated feedback podcast, I suppose, is there, um, but it would probably be very short. I don't think a lot of people are watching this show. I know not a ton of people are listening to this podcast. Right. I don't know that we want to do a show for like three pieces of feedback. Right. That's dedicated. But on the other hand, I don't see any way to integrate feedback into a show that we are recording prior to its release one possible because like i hate so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if we say we're not going to read feedback we're never going to get feedback um sure what i was hoping is like you know we could like i was hoping we get enough uh, email to justify doing like a later in the week kind of feedback podcast Mm -hmm. and we could like integrate some news and some research but i actually uh found it very hard to read up on the expanse on the subreddit because i don't think the mods are doing a great job over there at making sure like there's a lot of people that are flagging their book spoilers um but it seems like it's kind of on your own recognizance like there's nobody like it's it's like the game of thrones subreddits are fucking on that shit yeah in a way that i don't think the expanse are so like even reading that i felt like i was really tiptoeing through a minefield and... I, honestly i am too like yeah there are you're there only are halfway through four the more books out there right, right now that i just haven't read so. right right um so i guess we'll play it by ear if there's some mm-hmm. like really good feedback that it pertains to like the season as a whole or a good take on an episode we might consider it after the current week's episode, and that also depends on whether we continue yeah. to get screeners because we're not sure if this was just right. like a first two as a courtesy or we're gonna whether we're gonna keep getting them. Um, but yeah, uh, if you'd like to send us feedback, nevertheless, uh, you can do that at expanse at baldmove.com. We also have episode threads for each episode as they appear on our forums, forums.baldmove.com. If you'd like to talk to your fellow 
passionate uh, fans about The Expanse on our forums. Uh, of course, you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for Bald Move, and you'll find our stuff. Mm-hmm. And I uh, cannot wait for next week. Yeah. One thing I miss about uh, the, the screeners, I don't get a preview for next week. Oh yeah, I got I got to wait. Huh. I got to wait. To, I got to wait for it to air to see the preview for next week to get excited for it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited. The other thing I want to talk about, I know I just I just essentially concluded the podcast and now opening up another oh, avenue boy. of conversation. What's the shelf life on Aaron Wright? Uh, mildly interesting. I like. I can't say too much about I, him. I mean, it, I feel like that he is another guy who's very, very much an end of the rope because either Christian gets his message out and then he's fucked. Here's what I'll say, and I think I, guess I, can... I might have said this in the preview cast or something, yeah. or, or maybe last episode. Mm-hmm. They have said the the creators of the show have said mm-hmm. that Sean Doyle was so good that they kept him on for much more hmm. stuff than they thought they were going to. Yeah. So. That might be like an indication of how long he lasts. I wonder because, like, I just—it just seems like either Kristen gets her message out and she's vindicated, and this guy's disgraced, um, and it, it, it prevents war in the solar system, or she doesn't, and he continues to be the malignant boil on the UN's ass that he's always been. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see any any in betweens on those two extremes. The other thing, I guess, is since he's kind of framed her as a as a as a terrorist, yeah. a domestic terrorist, that maybe no matter what she says will be, you know, hashtag fake news. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting, like, in the 21st century, we're achieving audio-video technology to where you can make any person say anything. You can fake any kind of evidence you want. Yeah. I don't know that that's getting better in the 23rd century. What if it comes directly out of a encrypted communications log from any- a ship? I'm just saying, like, I'm very scared that in the next 10 years, we are going to be unable to authenticate what is real and what is false. Like, in a moment, obviously, yeah. obviously, like, reality has a way of, of, of asserting itself because, like, you can make up as whatever shit you want, but, like, the real world continues on. Uh, and it's agnostic about whatever bullshit you're putting out about it. Mm. But the problem is, instead of being able to pre- proactively react to information, we're we're going to always be, you know, checking our estimates from the politicians' bullshit against the observed reality. And then, like, it just seems like it's going to be a shit show. I don't know. I, I kind of would be excited for that to be introduced in the expanse. Yeah, I, th- I think from a like PR perspective, certainly that could be true. Mm. Um, I feel like the UN in order to function in any way would have to have mechanisms in place to tell their own, their own encoded shit from others. Right. Like it, it does although seem... Jules, Jules ship is not UN. It's just a private civilian ship. So maybe right. that could be easily faked, but I'm thinking like there are measures and countermeasures. You'd have right? To, right? And there are always, that's an ever evolving thing, right? As somebody learns how to fake it, you learn how to identify it. Right. And, and it, the cycle goes on and on. Otherwise it just, everything breaks down yeah well i mean uh, i don't know about if i buy your null hypothesis here well, because like okay I think... here the show <laughs> itself is telling us that there are ways oh, yeah. to identify so like sure in this right, world that right. they've constructed that is obviously not a problem this is a separate so... discussion of me saying like whether that's in a realistic view of the future yeah, absolutely but yeah. but yeah you're so far in the course of humanity it does seem like as counterfeits develop you have measure you know measures against that so yeah uh all right that's it All right. We'll see you next week for episode three of season three of The Expanse. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.